Okay, everybody. Hey, good to see you guys. Glad to have you here at New Life. My name's Jeff. I get the unique privilege of serving as uh, one of the pastors on staff here. And I just want to welcome you guys to New Life. Thanks for coming. We're in week two of what we entitled a teaching series, Flight. That's where we're at. So how many guys are excited to be at New Life today? Anybody? Anybody? Like seriously, seriously excited, right? Like you put your hands together, but sometimes you just need to like clap right in front of your face so your face sees it, right? So that your face goes, I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. Well, I want to say a big hello to everybody worshiping with us online today, uh, as well as all of those uh, worshiping with us at our North Platte campus as well. So you're here today at our Carney campus. We have a North Platte campus. We have an online campus. And who knows what God will do in our future with, uh, you know, um, new campuses and other church plants that will happen. But thank you guys so much for being here. We are one church in multiple locations, all of us trying to just become all that God has for us and to grow with God and just to achieve God's purpose and his plan for our life. So you're in a good place today. I believe that God's got something for you today. I believe that uh, through this teaching series, um, that the Holy Spirit's gonna use today's message to like speak some truth to your life so that you're not the same person when you walk out the door. And that, that just means that I believe God wants to maximize his time with you. And so what does that mean for us? That means for us, we need to, we need to have the same attitude as Christ, which is this, God, I, I wanna maximize my time with you. So please, please, just do this with me, all right? I, I don't know what motive it was that brought you here today, but if you, if you had anything close to the motive of, well, it's Sunday, I have to go to church, then just back out of that mentally and spiritually for a moment and then re-engage with God and go, God, here's what I really want. Your presence is here with us today, no matter what campus you're at, even if you're at home right now, your presence is with us today. I want to engage your presence. I don't want to just, you know, fulfill a spiritual check, checklist, right? So engage with God's spirit today. And I'm telling you, I believe God will do something unique in your life. Okay. Are you with me on that one? Amen. Amen. Well, look, one of my passions is I like to fly and that's why we're doing this teaching series. Um, one of my big objectives with this teaching series is to help you recognize that your passions also have some biblical rooting. Your occupation, you can find biblical rooting for it. And when we do, then our passions and our occupation becomes more of an act of worship and we find more joy with God in it as well. And one of the things I've done as we've kind of looked at flying an airplane um, is there's a lot of biblical truth that connects with flying an airplane. So today, week two in the teaching series of flight, I wanna take you back to the really basics of flight. Now, please know this, you are not gonna become a private pilot because you sit through the four weeks of flight, all right? No, but you might, you might spend a lot of money in the next couple of months trying to learn to fly though, all right? So just, that's a warning on the series. You might, you might like it so much that you have to go try it yourself. But one of the things that happens early on in flying is that you get inside of this aircraft and you look at the basic instruments. It's called the six pack. So now as a private pilot, I can actually say with integrity, I have a six pack. It sometimes looks a little bit like a keg or a small pony keg, but it's still a six pack. All right, you guys could have still laughed at that one by the way, even though even though it was a joke related to alcohol, you still could have laughed at it. Um, the six pack is a very important set of instruments. Um, if you don't get these six instruments, you're definitely not gonna fly. 
Okay, uh, these six instruments, they start with the airspeed indicator. That's an important, that's an important uh, you know, indicator. It helps you understand whether you're going to be flying within safe speeds or you're going to be drifting into you know, marginal speeds that could either be too slow and then you stall the aircraft. And stalling the aircraft, this basically means that there's not enough air flowing over the wing to create lift. And then the wing stalls and then the wing can slip and cause the airplane to slip to one side, which then could result into a spin, which could be very, very dangerous, you know, for the life of you and whoever's inside of the aircraft. So monitoring your airspeed indicators, super important. But the other thing about it is sometimes you, you need to like, you need to go from a higher altitude to a lower altitude and you'll, you tip the nose of the aircraft down. If you don't make any, any other adjustments, then you could watch your needle slip into the, the, uh, the never exceed zone, which could be dangerous as well, because you can only imagine if the airplane has a certain speed that you're not supposed to fly over, there's really good reasons for that. Like we don't want things ripping off of the airplane, the vital parts. You see what I'm saying? Right? Like you, you want to stay within the margin of, what's, of what you're supposed to be flying in. And so that's why the green arc is there. Like you stay within the green arc, man, that's a, that's a great, place, uh, great, great place to be. Then the next one over is your attitude indicator. This is the attitude indicator. It, it's, it's a pretty cool instrument. In fact, I, I think it's actually one of the coolest instruments that's in the aircraft. It helps you know, um, you know where the attitude of the airplane is in relationship to the ground. So are my wings level? Or are my wings, you know, tilted, uh, you know, towards the right or tilted towards, you know, my left? Uh, am I in a nose up attitude or am I in a nose down attitude? So where is my airplane in relationship to the horizon or where's my relation, where's my airplane in relationship to the ground? That's always important, right? Because the worst thing you can do is fly your airplane into the ground, <laughs> right? That's not a, that's not a flight you actually would even want to log probably in your logbook. Like, yeah, took off from Carney, 15 minutes later, you know, wrecked in a, in a cornfield. Uh, that's just not like the kind of thing you ever want in your logbook, um, unless there's things that are beyond your control that happen, right? But you definitely don't want that to happen. So you're watching this. It also gives you a number of other things that I'm, I'm not gonna get into because I'm not training you to be a pilot and I'm not a flight instructor. Uh, the other instrument coming over here is your altimeter. Your altimeter is important because it lets you know, um, you know where you're at altitude-wise off the ground, um, and you can calculate that. That would be called you know, your AGL, your actual ground level, but it also lets you know then your MSL, your medium sea level, where you're at. If you were at sea level, how high are you off the ground? And that's really what the indicator is showing you all the time is how far are you off the ground, but then you can, you can do some quick math and figure out or how high are you off the sea level, then you can do some quick math and figure out how high you are off the ground. Again, that's important, and you can already determine really why that's important, right? Okay, like being off the ground is good when you're flying. Uh, you have a turn, a turn coordinator. Um, that, that, there's a number of little things that are going on there, um, but primarily you try to keep the ball inside the center when you're, when you're turning the aircraft. There's a number of other things that are happening there, and that keeps the nose of the aircraft going in the direction that you want it to go. It's also kind of watching 
Again, another instrument to show wings level or your wings are, are not level. Uh, so that's another instrument that's like super helpful when you're making turns. Then you have your directional gyro. Um, and it is, uh, it's, like, it's like a fancy compass and it's giving you your heading all the time. So where, where are you actually going? And you might get air traffic controllers that will tell you I head, a, head on a heading of 110. And so you turn the aircraft to 110 and you maintain that, right? And so this is always helping you understand in relationship to where you're flying, uh, which way is north, where is south, you know, and the, and the direction I'm flying. The, the last one, and I'm just doing a quick brief overview. So if there are pilots that are out there, please forgive me. Um, but we also have the vertical speed indicator. This is another, I think, kind of a cool instrument, although it, it's a lagging instrument. Um, so your altitude starts to, to adjust upward then you'll look down at your vertical speed indicator and your needle will be going up as well. And every one of the ticks on there is telling you that's a hundred feet per minute climb. So if you wanna descend or you wanna climb at 500 feet per minute, then you put that indicator on the five or the five down here and you will climb or descend at 500 feet per minute. So it's a great instrument um, that this in a relationship to how fast am I gaining altitude or how fast am I losing altitude? And those are important. And when you're learning to fly the, the airplane, everything's moving at the same time, right? Like all at one time you, you take off and instantaneously whoosh, everything's moving. And one of the things that happens early on in piloting is that you, you, you kind of get overwhelmed by all the stimuli that's taking place inside the cockpit, and you start fixating on one instrument over the other. And so what an instructor will keep telling you to do is, don't fixate on one instrument. You gotta scan the instruments. Scan the instruments, and this about the time you, you think you're scanning the instruments, then all of a sudden he or she will say to you, and you gotta keep looking outside of the airplane. And you're like, well, what am I supposed to do, right? Like I'm trying to look at the instruments and you want me to look outside the airplane. And at a certain moment early on in training, you go, this is impossible. It's impossible to do it all. But, but literally what will happen is you get fixated on let's say one instrument. Like let's say your instructor says, I want you to climb and maintain 4,500 feet. Okay, good. I'm going to get up to 4,500 feet. I'm going to look at my altimeter and I'm going to make sure I'm at 4,500 feet. And what happens is early on in our training, you get fixated on the altimeter, 4,500, 4,500, 4,500. And you'll glance out of the airplane every time you think he or she is glancing at you, right? You'll glance up and you're back down to the instrument. And you think, you think you're maintaining 4,500, which by the way, you are However, you forgot to look at your attitude indicator and your attitude indicator shows that your left wing is low and your right wing is high and you are in a bank, but you're maintaining 4,500, right? And if you're in a mountainous area, that could be very, very dangerous, very dangerous, right? Or they'll tell you this, hey, I want you to climb and I want you to maintain a heading of 090. 090 would be heading what direction? East. Yes, man. Some of you guys just say it with confidence. You knew it. You got it. Right. So it would be heading east. So I want, you to, I want you to climb and I want you to maintain you know, 090. And so, man, you get on that thing and you're at 090 and you're trying to look at the other instruments, but it's not really helping because 090 is drifting one way or the other and you're turning the airplane back and forth and you're kind of like a snake going through the air right? 
trying to maintain 090. Well, the whole time, some very, very serious things could be taking place because you're not scanning. What could be happening is this. All of a sudden, your altimeter is showing that your altitude's increasing. Your airspeed indicator is showing that there is a decrease. Your attitude indicator is showing that there's a nose-up attitude. And if you just maintain 090 and you're in this kind of a climb, eventually the airplane over time will get to a moment where it will stall out. Your airspeed will go all the way down. You'll stall the airplane. The wing will drop. You could be into a spin that you can't recover from, and then you crash. That's the danger of fixating on one instrument over the other. So early on, we learned to scan, not fixate, and then keep looking out of the aircraft. Keep looking out of the aircraft. And you keep looking at those things. And so now, now for me, although I, I don't really, I'm not like a seasoned pilot, but now when I'm up in the air to scan those instruments, is no, it's natural for me. And I try to fly like almost every week a little bit. And so it really, it stays pretty current for me, this scanning the instruments and looking outside to try to enjoy the flight. But the other thing that, that happens for a pilot when they're training and then when they get their pilot's license is that they have to fly within what's called VFR, visual flight rules. And visual flight rules, um, and some of those visual flight rules, they change from maybe airport to airport because of different um, you know, air, uh, air designations. So instead of trying to confuse you with all of it, I thought, let's just take it down to where we live. Like, what would be the visual flight rules, which would, which would include the clearances that are the minimums for us to be able to fly in Kearney and in North Platte? Like, what would those minimums be? Because all of these things are going to be vitally important for today's sermon. All right? So if you were going to try to fly out of Kearney, what would be the visual flight rules that you would have to follow and or North Platte? It would be, it would be these visual flight rules. Thanks. It would be the uh, three statute miles visibility. You can kind of see that. Can you see three statute miles? And look, you don't have to see an inch beyond three statute miles. If it's three statute miles, it's three and you're good to go, which is not a long, not a long space, right? And then about the clouds, you gotta be able to be 500 feet below the clouds, 1,000 feet above the clouds, and 2,000 feet horizontal or to the side of the clouds. So that's it. Three statute miles, 500, 1,000, and 2,000. And if you have that, guess what you can do? You can fly. Now, if you don't have that, then you have to have what's called an instrument certificate so that you can take off in conditions that are not VFR, and you can actually take off out of the airport and you can make that flight. But then you'd be flying by what's called IFR. I'll talk about that later on in the series. I've canceled, I've canceled flights because the conditions didn't meet the visual flight rules, all right? And the reason why I canceled them is because it's illegal to fly if they, don't, if they don't match up. So if the clouds are too low, it's illegal for me to fly. So I just don't, I don't fly. Um, there's other times when I've canceled flights where the margins were all there. You could see the three statute miles. The clouds were in such a, you know, cover that I could be 500 feet below them and still stay a safe distance, you know, by FAA rules off the ground and I could take off, but I still canceled the flight. And here's the reason why, because you take off and all you can fly is like, let's say it's 500 feet. Let's say that from the ground to the clouds is a thousand feet. Okay, well, if I'm going to stay 500 feet below that, then I'm going to be 500 feet off the ground and 500 feet below the clouds. So 500 feet off the ground, 
let's just say you're going 130 miles an hour at 500 feet off the ground and all you can see is three miles ahead of you. Like things happen fast. Like there's radio towers around Kearney that are much taller than, than 500 feet off the ground. And if you're cruising along at 130 miles an hour and then you don't realize there's a radio tower out there, you could quickly fly yourself right into it. Not to mention the fact that, you know, you're flying a single engine aircraft and what happens if the engine decides, hey, today I just don't want to work anymore. You're 500 feet off the ground. How quick, how much time do you have to actually make adjustments and to land that thing someplace safe? Like it's going to happen really quick. So it might be legal but it's not always safe. It's not always safe. And then, then there could be like not a cloud in the sky. And it could be awesome. And you could see like 10 miles plus. But the winds are like 50 miles per hour. And that might not make it safe to take off. So there are times when visual flight rules, they all match up and you could fly but the winds are so bad, you should never fly. Well, the good news for you today is that I'm not trying to make you into a private pilot, but I am trying to make you into a believer that flies, flies and soars with Christ like we talked about last week. So you don't need to know anything more about visual flight rules, and you don't need to know anything more than what I just told you about the actual instruments that are in an aircraft. What you need to know right now is and the question that you ought to be asking is this. Okay, if there's visual flight rules to fly, then what are the kingdom flight rules? What, what are the kingdom flight rules? What do they look like? What does it look like to fly for Christ, as an example? What, is, what are the kingdom flight rules that are the minimums that, you know, I should, I should, never, I should never break the, the rule of God's law in these areas? And what are, the, what are the areas that then, once I know those, that give me the joy of soaring and flying with God in all kinds of other areas, experiencing him in my journey? Like, what are the K, what's the KFR? What is the kingdom flight rules? Because Jesus said this one day in Matthew 6, 10. He said, your kingdom, when he was teaching us to pray, your kingdom come, Father, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth. And this is what I love about that verse. Like, like it already is happening in heaven. That, that's something that Jesus was saying. There's a kingdom of God, and you and me need to know what it is, what it looks like, how to live inside of it so that our, our lives with Christ can soar and they can take off and become all that God wants us to be so that we can have a, a, a Christ-centered lifestyle that thrives, church. That's what you want. You don't want a marginalized, uh, you know, Christ-centered life. You don't want to just kind of know some things about God. You want to really know him personally. You want, you want a, a Christ-centered life where the power of God's spirit is transforming you every single day. Well, the kingdom of God is something that Jesus talked about like endlessly. Like, that's what, that was his main theme. He talked about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God. In fact, the kingdom of God is mentioned 126 times in the English Standard Version. The English Standard Version is considered to be one of the most accurate versions of a modern day Bible, by the way. I study with it on a daily basis. 
the, the ESV, although I don't always preach with it because sometimes the, the wording of things may not be exactly what you, know, you would palate or understand. It makes it easier for me to use other versions, but I study with the ESV so that I'm more accurate in what I'm communicating to you. And so it might be something that you might want to look at as well for your own personal study. You can get online and you can look at the ESV and you can get free downloads of that Bible actually online. 126 times the kingdom of God is mentioned in there. So what does the word the kingdom of God actually mean? The word the kingdom of God, it would literally translate to be this, the reign of God. Not the reign like the R-A-I-N reign, the reign of God over his kingdom. So it's, it's not talking about the realm of God. So it's, it's not just talking about this geographic area, the realm of God. It's not even talking about the people of God. It's, it's talking about the reign of God, which would be over everything. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's over everything. He's over everything on this earth. He's over everything in this solar system. He's over everything in this galaxy. Like to fly an airplane to God is like foolishness when you can create the atmosphere, right? When you can create the universe to fly the airplane, is, that's nothing. But to understand kingdom flight rules could be everything for us so that we could better align with God, submit to his reign, and allow his kingdom, watch this, who he's reigning right now in the heavens, and he's reigning right now over the earth, for you to submit yourself to his reign and let his kingdom come now, which would be in your heart. Not just to invite him into your life to be the Lord and leader, but to submit to him on a daily basis as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. God's spirit reigning in your heart today. So how do we live then a, in the kingdom flight rules? How do we live this out? Like how would we let the reign of God reign over our lives on a daily basis? How will we live in kingdom flight rules? If I have to fly in VFR flight rules, we should know what it means to live in kingdom flight rules. And the first thing would be, this, would be this, it's simple, but it's study. You gotta study. Like a good pilot is always studying and staying up to date with the current, the current changes that are happening in airspace or in other things that, I, if I mentioned them, you would not even know what they are, but they're TFRs, areas where you, you know, restricted airspace, TFRs where you, you can't fly right now, they're temporarily, you know, restricted flight areas. There's notums that come out that tell you things about a certain airport, like, hey, the runway's closed. Well, I didn't know that, it wasn't closed yesterday. Well, it's closed today. That's important stuff to know, right? And staying up to tune on, you know, how to fly an airplane, you gotta read, you gotta study. If you're gonna commit yourself to this, it's a lifelong journey of study, study, study. Well, in kingdom flight rules, we have to take God's word, which is the guideline for kingdom flight rules, and we have to study it on a regular basis. The Bible says this, and it's in 2 Timothy chapter three, it says all scripture, watch this. In fact, read this with me, would you? Just read it out loud with me. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. So God's word 
first off, if we want to live under the kingdom flight rules, then we have to be a studier of God's word. It has to be a place where we go often. And I, I want to give you an assignment today. Okay, because God's word is huge. So where, where do you really study? And you know what I'm so inspired by is that I have that um, version Bible app. And many of, there's a lot of new lifers that I follow and they follow me. And I get to see like when you're reading, it's pretty cool because if you allow your friends to do this, then they get to kind of like see what you're reading, when you're reading it on Bible plans. And I'm so encouraged by this church. There, we have some people in, in this church that are just devourers of God's word. And I actually get encouraged by that on a daily basis when my phone goes, bling, so-and-so just finished the Bible reading plan. I'm like, yes, like way to go. Like every pastor should have that. It's a massive encouragement to a pastor on a Tuesday, Tuesday morning to wake up and realize that, you know, you know, 12 people in your church have already been reading the Bible before you ever even woke up. And then it kind of like kicks you in the rear, like get up and read the Bible, Jeff. Like don't let those, you got to stay, you know, like be hungry. So it's, it's a good motivator. So if you're not on that, I would definitely encourage you, get on that and use that. But my assignment for you today is this. Would you make a part of your reading, maybe in the next 30 days or 60 days, make part of your reading to go into Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first four books of the New Testament, scan through them, looking for the places where Jesus says these words, the kingdom of God is or the kingdom of heaven is. Look for places where Jesus is talking about what the kingdom of God is, and then read those, devour those. Devour those moments, because if you do that, then you're learning what is right, what is wrong. You're learning what the kingdom of God is. You're learning what the minimums of the kingdom are. You're looking where you can excel in the kingdom. You're looking at the boundaries of the kingdom when it comes to spiritual life, so that we can firmly land and, and you know, live our lives in the midst of it and thrive in our relationship with God. So the first thing if you want to live under the kingdom flight rules is you got to study God's word. And it's critical that you have a purpose and a plan to that. If you don't, again, version has multiple different plans. Bite off one of those things and start accomplishing those and let God's word get into your spirit and get into your heart. Second thing, though, would be this. you got to scan. Just like a pilot has to scan those six instruments... There are six critical spiritual instruments that you have to scan, okay? So watch, watch what these six are. God's word, worship, prayer, fellowship, serving, and giving. That's your six-pack. So you can have a six-pack too, all right? You can have a six-pack too. But it's those things. It's, it's making sure that there's a balance in our life of God's word, worship, prayer, fellowship, serving, and giving. And there needs to be a balance. When you get imbalanced, when you just start you know, focusing on one instrument, then ma- massive danger can actually take place in your spiritual journey while you're focused on something that's important. So don't get fixated on just one instrument. Because here's what happens many times when you just get fix, fixated on one instrument is we can grow pretty prideful in our lives. And if we don't grow prideful, we'll become harsh. I unfortunately know some Christians that are so focused on just one instrument. Let's just call it, I can pick any of them, right? But I'll just call one of them. We'll, we'll just use worship. They're so fixated on just worship. Worship is what it's all about. 
When they come to church, they would prefer that the entire service be three hours longer and all it would be is just songs. Like that's worship for them. They don't spend any time in God's word, hardly any time in prayer, fellowship with other believers, not even on their radar screen, giving to the Lord financially, not even there, only when it motivates them. You see what I'm saying? And you get focused on that one thing, and then what they do is this, then they get harsh at all of the rest of us who don't really wanna worship for three hours with just songs. And when we say, well, we don't really wanna do that, then we're like, we're looked at as if we're not like great Christians. We're looked down on because that person's only fixated on the one instrument and they don't realize it, but they're playing, their life is out of alignment and they're not, they're not living in kingdom flight rules anymore and they're headed for destruction. But they're focused completely on worship. And the guys, the same thing can happen in any one of these zones. Any one of these areas, if you just get fixated on the one, you can end up in disastrous situations in your spiritual journey where you run crazy right into a mountain. You run right into disappointment. You run right into discouragement. And then you look back and you're like, but God, I was giving you my all. Yeah, you were, but you were just focused on one. And we need all six. We need to spend time in the worship. We need to spend time in prayer, fellowship, serving, giving, and in the word. That's a balance for, for a believer. And so you got that balance and you're not getting fixated on one, but you can't forget, like if you want to live in kingdom flight rules, keep looking outside. Keep, keep your eyes up. Keep, keep looking out. There are others who still need to hear the good news of Jesus. But when we bury our head into one of the spiritual instruments, we tend to lose the perspective needed to impact the world. Let, let me just tell you straight today, complete separation. Hear me well today. Okay, because I'll argue this with any of you later on in my office. Complete separation from this world is not a Christ-centered solution. We're to be strangers, yes, like our lives are to look different, but it's still in this world. Because we're here as the salt and the light, church. We're here to bring life. Keep looking outside. Some of us, man, we see the needs of the world around us, and here's what we do as Christians. We just bury our head back into the instruments. Like, I'll, I'll help solve the problem. I'm going to bury my head back into the instruments, which is, you know, just between you and God, by the way. Like, you got to take that outside. you got to lift your eyes back up, look back outside of the airplane, and find your great joy. Find your great joy in impacting the lives of others. In fact, let me just say it this way. You'll discover incredible joy when you look out the window and you start helping others find Jesus. That's what will happen for our lives, but there's a big warning here. Let me make sure I give the proper warning. We scan the spiritual instruments to keep our life on the right spiritual course so that we can look out of the window and we can help others find Jesus. But you cannot keep your head buried in the cockpit and have an impact on this world like Christ called you to. And nor can you have an impact if all you're doing is looking into the world, looking into the world, looking into the world, and you care nothing about the instruments that God gave us to, to, to live underneath his kingdom flight rules. But lastly, you gotta establish some minimums for your life. Like each pilot, if you wanna live under kingdom flight rules, each pilot has to establish minimums. There's those VFR minimums, but then many pilots will establish another set of minimums that are more strict than those. And they'll say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna live my life on these more strict 
minimums for my go, no-go decision. Am I going to fly today or am I not going to fly today? And I believe the Bible gives some really strict instructions on establishing some spiritual minimums in our life. And here's, here's one of the verses that it talks about it in Matthew 18, 9. In fact, in most of the Gospels, you're going to find this scripture. That's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It says this, And if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better to enter eternal life with only one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into the fire of hell. What's it really saying here? It's saying this. What are you tempted in? Because whatever you're tempted in, figure out a way to gouge that that area out of your life. Like, if, if, if you're tempted in a certain area, gouge it out. Don't keep walking into it. So as an example, if you're, if you're tempted with alcohol, and alcohol keeps causing you to sin, what does Matthew 18 tell us to do? Gouge it out. Completely remove it. Now, one of you in here might be able to say, well, man, you know what? I can have a beer every weekend at my home, or I can have a glass of wine with my family at dinner. But there's Many others in the room, they can't even go there. So you gouge it out because that would be a temptation that would then cause you to keep following a path down to a life of sin. So Jesus would teach you, gouge that out. If the internet keeps causing you to sin, what does Matthew 18 tell you to do? Gouge it out. Find a way. You mean like get rid of Google? Like if, that's as, if you have to get rid of an iPhone so that you can enter the kingdom of heaven, it's well worth it. If you have to like, take the internet out of your house and you don't get to have and, and, you know, freedom of all those things, but yet you enter the kingdom of heaven, it's well worth it, church. Whatever it takes. That's, that's what it means, like to set the minimums. Your minimum might have to be different than my minimum because we're tempted in different ways. But if laziness causes you to sin, gouge it out. If food's causing you to sin, gouge it out. Right? Gouge it out. And by the way, if that is the case, FYI, I just got off a cruise. Don't go on one. <laughs> but if you need to gouge the internet out, go on a cruise. Right? And don't pay for that internet package plan because that is out of control expensive. Right? That will really help you. If you need to get the internet out of your life, go on a cruise. All right? You need to get food out of your life. Don't go on a cruise. All right? So there's different things, you know, for those different moments. But we have to establish, we have to establish spiritual minimums, guys. And if you don't, you're going to fly your life right into destruction. The Apostle Paul, he even takes it a step beyond that, though, when he says this. It's better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else that might even cause another believer to stumble. So your minimums may need to be altered to respect the minimums of those around you. The bottom line, though, is this. The Bible is the established guideline for kingdom flight rules. So, I don't know, it was back in the wintertime. I was taking off out of North Platte to come back to Kearney. And um, I checked the weather. Everything, everything seemed decent. I asked, I, the, the clouds were at 6,500 feet. Wow, okay, I got, a lot of, I got a lot of room there, you know, to fly from what the ground level is uh, to where the clouds are at. I got, I got a good 3,000 feet there. So um, I said, okay, here's what I'm going to do. My wife was in uh, the co-pilot seat. I said, we're going to climb up to 5,500 feet, and we're going to fly back to Kearney. And 
So I take off out of the airport and we're headed towards the east and I'm, I'm climbing and I get to 5,500 feet. Remember, I'm kind of scanning my instruments and before I know it, I'm at five, and it's at night, I'm at 5,500 feet and I level off only to notice that I'm in the middle of a cloud. Like I'm in such thick cloud that when I look out on my Cessna 172, I look out to the ends of the wings, you can barely see the ends of the wings and all you see is a strobe light, boom, 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 boom. And instantaneously, like all my training, it wells right back up within me because I realize I'm not in visual flight rules anymore. Right? I, and I'm, it's at night, and this is not temporary. I'm leveled off in the middle of this. Right? I'm in, I'm in, I'm in a, a bad situation if I don't make an adjustment quick. So the first thing I do is I pull back a little bit of the power, and I look at my attitude indicator, and I make sure that I keep my wings level because you quickly lose your perspective of what is level and where's the ground and your spatial orientation. And I, and I look at that power pulled. I tip the nose down. And I watch my vertical speed indicator rise a little bit while I watch my airspeed increase. And I'm tipping the, the plane to create a descent that's safe so that my speed doesn't get up into a never exceed zone. And my vertical you know, uh, speed indicator is, is not showing something that's you know, abnormal. So I'm descending at a you know, few hundred feet per minute kind of a deal, safe, keeping my wings level. And the whole time I'm watching for the lights. I wanted to see the light of a car, the light of a house, the lights of a city. That's all I want to see. And I'm telling my wife, hey, honey, if you see some lights, just let me know. And I'm just watching this because outside there's nothing to see. There's nothing to see. I'm watching the instruments, I'm trusting the instruments through this very difficult season of, my, of, my, of, of life, and I come break out of the clouds, and you see the lights, and I gotta tell you, there's something inside of you that just goes, yes. <laughs> and I get 500 feet below the clouds, and we level off, and we regain our airspeed, and we get everything trimmed up, and everything's just set right, and we finish the journey all the way back to Kearney. I didn't want to be in that situation, but I ended up in it. And guess what I had to trust in? All the spiritual instruments that God gave us. Guys, there are some of you that are in situations that you should not be in, and you need the spiritual instruments of God's spirit to bring you back to center. Some of you have flown your life right, into, right out of kingdom flight rules, and you're living in man flight rules. And God's word today is calling you back to kingdom flight rules. God's word's calling you back out of the clouds, back into a place where you can thrive and you can live for him again. I don't know what got you there, but it needs to be repented of today. I don't know what got you there today, but you need to act quick, just like I acted quick. I believe the FAA has reported that it's somewhere around 90 seconds, 90 seconds that an inexperienced pilot has when he's caught in that situation if he doesn't make the right decisions and get himself or herself out of there. And I'm telling you today, None of us know when life is gonna end. You've got this moment, make the correction, get yourself out of the clouds, back to kingdom flight rules and start living for God again. Stop living your life on the margins. Stop taking off when all you can see is the three, the three miles ahead of you and you can just stay underneath, you can just scrape underneath the cloud layer and above the ground. Like you can only do that so long in your spiritual life before you're gonna run smack into something. And it's all gonna blow up and the wings are gonna fly off your life. Let's bring ourselves back to kingdom flight rules today and submit ourselves to God and let God be the center once again. Why don't you stand with me and let's pray as we get, as we get ready to move into a time of worship and response to God. Lord, 
Today, we want to be people that live by your word. We want to be people that live according to your spirit. Lord, we, there's so many of us that are, we're caught, we're caught flying by man's rules. And, and that's not going to get us to heaven. What's going to get us to heaven is we fly by kingdom rules. Some of us, there's some things we need to gouge out of our life. There's some things that just need to flat be removed until we can become healthy enough to reapply some, some components into our life. There's some things in our life we just need to turn and run away from. We need to adjust. We need to get out of the clouds. Lord, I pray for this church today that as they've heard this message, that, Lord, you would inspire them by your spirit to get out of the clouds, out of man's flight rules, back into kingdom flight rules, meaning live our lives according to your word. May we find amazing joy living our life according to your word. May we find incredible joy when we're living our life according to your word, we can start looking back out again and we can start helping others find their way to Jesus. So Lord, let your will be done in this church. Let your will be done here on earth as it already is happening in heaven. May it take place in our life. In Jesus' name, amen.